Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Your word would go out as a good seed planted in each heart that would give forth good fruit, O oh God. A harvest that would glorify your name. So when we stand before your presence, there'll be no one with an excuse, Lord. They all would have heard. They would all have known. They would all have been able to hear the announcement of the king of glory that was birthed upon this earth, the greatest story ever told, the story told to millions upon millions upon the planet earth, Lord, to every tribe, nation, and tongue, Lord, that you might be God and God alone, that you might be worshiped and worshiped with excellence, O oh God, that we might draw near to you and bow our knees and our tongues confess that you are Lord for the glory of God in the highest. We give you thanks for this word and for this opportunity and for this season that you have made that we might hear once again the power and the invitation to the Christmas story. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. As we approach this season every year, it's, it's a little bit nerve-wracking to the pastor, knowing that some people have only come because it is Christmas. So they have one opportunity and one few, uh, uh, very few minutes to get the attention of those that come. I, I assure you that the Lord wants you to understand what we're saying here today. The pronouncement was in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. This is the pronouncement that he says that in the time to come, we need not worry. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. A lot of people are asking for a sign. I need to know what God show me something, prove something to me. He says the Lord himself will give you a sign. What is the sign? Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. This is the sign that God gives every man upon the earth, that Jesus would be born. It was so specific, the time of his coming, a small town of Bethlehem. He would be born of a virgin, and we know the story of Mary and Joseph, how the pronouncement came, and she says, how will this be? He says, the Holy Spirit shall overshadow you, and you shall conceive a child. They didn't know how they were going to make it to Bethlehem, but right before the times of Jesus' birth, there was a Roman uh, emperor, a governor in the, sea, in, in the area, and he says, everybody go back to their father's town. So Joseph was from the town of Bethlehem, and they traveled about 60 kil uh, miles, kilometers, uh, from Nazareth, Galilee, to Judea. Bethlehem, a very small village, and nobody thought anything good was going to come out of Bethlehem, but sure enough, these young people move in that direction. From the time of the last word of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, there was a pronouncement that the Lord had given the earth. He says, if the humans don't turn the hearts of fathers back to their sons and the hearts of their sons back to their fathers, there would be a great curse upon the earth, and that is the issue of our day. Uh, even as we deal a lot with marriages, people don't know how to be husbands because they were horrible sons. Because the time of being a son is a time of correction. People don't know how to be excellent wives because at the time of being taught to be proper, they were rebellious. They were disobedient. So we get into the next relationship of our maturity, which is husband and wife, and we do a terrible job. But the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 that there was a great dilemma 
in verse um, 1, we can start in verse 1, Isaiah 9-1. It says, nevertheless, there will be, uh, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. And when first he lightly esteemed the land of Sebulun, the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. Verse two, dark gloom, disconnectedness. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. This was gonna be the, the, the cutting edge of God upon the earth. I was, I was sharing on Wednesday night, Thursday night in their Spanish service, Wednesday night our English service, that people nowadays feel disconnected, left out, not included. They feel they're not living fruitful lives. They feel they are blind to any heavenly vision. They feel they're not reaching their highest potential. That's why depression sets in. They feel that they're not reaching sufficiency. Dark gloom, shadow of death is what makes for reality. But there would come a time where God's invitation would be to all peoples to leave darkness into light, to leave emptiness into great purpose. You have no idea when you connect to Jesus how it opens up the purpose of God for your life. The Bible says our life is hidden in Christ. And he who finds the Son has the life. And he who does not have the Son does not have life. And you see it every day all over the planet. And the Bible continues on to say in uh, verse, let's go to verse um, 3. You have multiplied the nation. You increased its joy. God creates, wherever God is, you see what happened here this morning. These young people are entering in not only a theatrics of a performance, but the lifelong expressions of God's purpose for their life, increasing our joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, that whatever a man sows, he's going to reap. Don't be, don't be surprised that, that you have a bunch of fruit that is rotten and nasty and bitter. Those are the seeds. That's the field you walked in. They rejoice before you according to the joy of the harvest as men rejoice when they are passing out the goods. Dividing the spoil means you went into a place and there was so much inventory, you just begin to pass it out and divide. Here, you have some of this, you have some of this. And that's what God has for us. And this is just the pronouncement. Verse 4, for you have broken the yoke of his burden. There's nothing that comes to strip us of... of, of um, a life of insignificance, the burden of living without having fruitfulness and joy. He says, you broke that yoke and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, those that made us serve other things that are not God, as in the day of Midian. He's talking about Gideon who rose up and led his people to salvation. Verse five, for every warrior's sandal, He's going to remove from the noisy battle and the garments that are rolled in blood. He will use as a burning for fuel and fire. What we used to fight in, in travesty of hardship, has, we don't need any more warrior sandals. You could, you could swap them in for the shoes of comfort, for the shoes of peace. He's, he shot us with a different, he says, the, the garments that rolled in blood. 
The, the weapons of warriors was now used for fire. You could throw it in the fire and make the, the warmth of the day become better. Why? Verse 6, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. He's going to have government upon his shoulders. He's going to have order. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It says in the, in the verse 7, this government, this rule. I came to the Lord 30 years ago without understanding. I had had the traditional Christmas story as a historical context 2,000 years ago. But when you invite the Spirit of the Lord upon you and you say, Lord, I want to participate with what you have for man, then it starts the increase of order and peace. What's lacking upon the earth today, my friend? What is lacking? Why are the pharmaceutical companies becoming enriched? Yesterday we were at prayer service and here every Saturday at 6 o'clock in the morning you could come and be in the presence of God. You could come and seek the Lord. The Bible says if you seek him you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. And so yesterday we were gathered here at prayer service and one of the sisters says, I have friends and they jump on a little bus every day of the week to go to Leon Medical Clinic and they're filled with all sorts of distress and uh, um, uh, what is called a psychiatric mental conditions of lack of peace. They have so much anxiety. They have so much strife, but they don't know that the Bible says, beware because your adversary roams around about like a roaring lion. We didn't know Leon Medical Clinic was part of that agenda. Uh, uh, you know, we, they, they, this lady says, why don't they come to the presence of God? Why don't they come to the real fountain of peace? And so he says, these tidings of peace will increase and there will be no end. Of the measure of peace that's in Christ upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order, to establish, to bring justice from this time forward even forever. The seal of the Lord will perform this. So we see Psalm 119 verse 165. What's the Bible says? He says, those who love and delight in your commandments. 165 please. Psalm 119, 165. It's those that delight in the law of God. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing causes them to stumble and to fall. There's no gloom. There's no doom. But how is it that we're to seek the Lord? And that's the challenge today. That you would understand that the Christmas story is not a bunch of uh, religious theatrics. They're not, they're not a bunch of little children that are going about on a stage that has no significance in your life. But the secret lies beyond the theatrics into the reality. Isaiah 40 verse 5. A voice of one crying. I, 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 you know, you got to be really, really hard pressed to not have heard the Christmas message. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. It shall be uncovered. And say with me, all flesh shall see it together. Now, now tell your neighbor sitting right next to you, open your eyes, my friend, it's sitting right in front of you. It's sitting right in front of you. The hope of glory. The hope that your life would turn upside down, that your frown would turn upside down. That you would begin to rejoice as you walk in His order, 
his righteousness, his thoughts, his spirit. All men, flesh, shall see it. For the mouth of the Lord is the one that will reveal it. And so it is in that course that we see in Luke chapter 2, where it tells us the Christmas story, verse 1. It says, it came to pass in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Verse 2. This census first took place in, in, while Quirinius, while governing Syria, a section of the Roman Empire. So all went out to be registered, everyone to his own hometown, his own city. Verse 4. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth in Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David. All historical fact and evidence. These people say, well, I don't believe if God doesn't show me. God has shown you, my friend. You're blind as a bat because the God of this age has deceived you that you might not see the reality of what has already happened. And we're putting it back too many years. Going back to Luke 2, 5, as they walked into uh, Bethlehem to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who's with a child. Uh, Verse 6, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. Verse 7, and she brought forth a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room, like my nephew well said, for them in the inn. Some people have decided not to give Jesus Christ any room in their lives. They've given them the gutter. Every time they're in the toilet, they run to Jesus. They're supposed to be sitting at the king's table as a prince showing the world the glory of God, the goodness of God, the peace of God. I want to challenge you today that the Christmas story is a, is a story about a son. If we read uh, second, um, let me just get there real quick. Second Samuel 18, 18. See, we're living in the times where no one wants to be a son because a son requires discipline and correction. If you're going to have God to be your father, you're going to be an obedient son. And you learn obedience through suffering, through sorrow, through hardship, through accountability. It says Absalom, the king, the king David's son, in his lifetime had taken and set up a monument for himself. Men who decide to build a business to build a building, to have some monetary theme uh, uh, equate their value, which is in the king's valley. For he said, I have no son to keep my name in remembrance. I have no son to carry my name into good reputation. And that's, that's the story of Christmas. There was born a son, and he was faithful to the father, to do the father's will, and to say, I only do what pleases the father. That's the story of Jesus. He was 30 years old when he said these words. He wasn't a 12-year-old. If we go back to when he was 12, he says, I must be about my father's business. A son was born to give us an example of how to be sons upon the earth. Absalom says, I have no son that will carry on my remembrance. So he called a pillar, a piece of cement, after his own name. And to this day it's called Absalom's Monument. The Lord is not impressed with your business my friend. The Lord wants to see you raise up a son for the glory of God. He wants you to raise up a son after Jesus Christ. He's the best model of God's glory upon the earth. 
It's important that we would see this model. For Herod the Great was known in the times of Jesus' birth to only be interested in one thing. What was Herod the Great? The one the wise men came to asking for an address. He was only interested in building buildings. He was interested in killing his sons. That's his historical uh, reality. Those are the facts that showed his life. I ask you today, my friend who celebrates Christmas, where are your sons? Where are your sons? Men that follow after your example. That able to live upon the earth for the glory of God. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. There is no greater glory upon the earth than a child birth to be a son to a father. To be able to live for his glory. For his obedience. That's what the Bible says. Christ in us. The hope of glory. And these men are only interested in money and reputation and fame, personal agenda, personal interest. Where are your sons? Where are your grandsons? The Bible says a, a man's, the son of a son, which is a grandson, is a man's glory, is a man's crown. Or your, your grandchildren are going to be lost because you never raised up a son for the glory of God. You never lifted up a son that would be birthed in the spirit to be able to serve God, to be able to, to walk amongst the wise. I see it here in, in 1 Corinthians 2.8 where it says those great rulers of the day of Jesus did not understand. None of the rulers of this age knew what God was doing for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have put him away. They wouldn't have put him out. Herod wanted to extinguish the child. That he not be raised up as a son. And in that course, he rose up wickedly. Tell your neighbor, wickedly. To destroy all those born in Jerusalem from the age of two down. You have to be wicked to murder a potential son in a family. And we have done that. We have the, the spirit of Herod in our hearts. We haven't kept our children as princes of peace. Leading them into the house of the Lord. Giving them an example of worship. The kings came. They said we must worship he who is born king of the Jews. We are bearing gifts from afar. We're following the heavenly signs, the star. And we want to come and bow down. Not to ask for anything, but to give him all praise, all glory, and all honor. And where do you take your gifts, my friend? To what casino? To what discotheque? To what nightclub? To what place in vanity and hobby where your kids have seen you lay down gifts? Presenting to the spirit of mammon. And you have stripped them of their eternal glory and inheritance. You have made them lost. We were talking last night uh, about people, not necessarily that they have done anything wrong. I haven't done anything wrong. I know you haven't. But you haven't done anything right. You have sown the wind and reaped the whirlwind. You haven't been purposeful, intentional in your worship. One Christmas after another Christmas have passed us by and we yet do not understand the Christmas story. We yet do not understand that Christ has come upon the earth 
Last year we did a study. We will do it this Wednesday at 7.30. It'll be one service for all people, Spanish and English. We won't have a service on Thursday night. So on Wednesday night, we'll talk about Jesus, a world-changing Savior who has come into the world. And if you start attributing, if we take inventory of everything that has happened since Jesus came upon the earth, you're going to be so, so blown away. Every hospital, every nurse, every medical doctor is for the glory of God. Because in the old pagan nations, if you were sick, they'd throw you in a dump. If you were a drug addict, they would kill you. They wouldn't ask and reach out to you. They would call you a a travesty of society, a scum of the earth. It was only Christ with the parable of the Good Samaritan who says, we will heal We will recover. We will rehabilitate. We will pay for him to stay at the inn until he gets well. And you start enumerating everything Christ has done upon the earth. And he is God for the glory of his father. We must bow down and worship the king. We must come not only to celebrate Christmas in Santa Claus, reindeers, and snowmen, but in Christ the Savior was born. And while he was born an inoffensive child, because they were waiting for a glorious king. They were waiting for a great conqueror that would come and destroy the Roman Empire. So the religious leaders of the day were not interested in going to a major and bowing down their knees and offering sacrifice and gifts to God. They they said, Herod called the the religious leaders of his day. They said, yeah, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. Here's the address. Go ahead and go there. They knew it all, and they did nothing. They were not present. They did not participate. Make sure you're not a religious person today. Make sure you're not going to church because your wife wants you to go. Make sure you're not going to church because you think it's in your conscience something you should. Make make sure you go to church because he says, I will build my church so that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The only safe haven and refuge on the earth today is the church of Jesus Christ. He's the only one that delivers. He's the only one that saves. He's the only one that heals for the glory of God. He has opened up our eyes who were, were blind. Let's see this in 2 Corinthians 4.3. This is, this is powerful. If this gospel is hidden, 2 Corinthians 4.3. If our good news is covered up. How many think that people don't have a clue what we're talking about tonight? People are lost. They don't know. They think being Muslim and being Christian is the same thing. They think being Jewish and being Mormon is the same thing. This gospel, if our gospel, our good news is hidden, it is hidden to those that perish. I don't care which one of your friends do not know Jesus Christ. You can know that behind the scenes, they're living a hellish nightmare upon the earth. Deep, deep, depressive darkness. Oppression. It's hidden to those that are perishing. Verse 4. The God, the mind whose mind the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe. Because if they did, the light of the gospel would shine. The glory of Christ who is the image of God, should just reflect upon them. When you're seeing the life of a person that knows Christ, that worships Christ, that follows Christ, you're going to see the glory of God, the brightness of His resilient presence 
peace, joy, and righteousness. Peace, abundant. In his presence, there's pleasures forevermore. Verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves. Spring of Life doesn't talk about how good we are. Or how great our church is. We're saying that Jesus Christ is the Savior. He's God with us. He has a plan. He's abundant in his provision. We need not go anywhere else for anything else. For he fills all things in all ways. We do not preach ourselves, Paul says. But we preach Christ Jesus as Lord. And ourselves, if you're going to talk about who we are, we are slaves. That's all we are. We, we were bought. We were on the slave block. And Jesus says, I give my life for them. And so now we belong to him. Our thoughts, our words, our talents, our treasures, our whole life belongs to Christ. And this is what the Christmas story is saying. Verse 6. For it is the God. It is the God who commanded light. To shine out of darkness. Who has shown, who has turned on that little light inside our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of that little child. In the face of a great Savior, God and King. And so even this week as we went to go, there was an idolater, a man involved in witchcraft. And we threw all his witchcraft away. He wanted to get rid of it. And so I said, listen, I'm going to give you three words that will help guide your travels. Jesus, Jesus, and Jesus. Fill your life with Jesus. And you're going to see a glory of God that you have never experienced your whole life. But we not come to him because we're like Herod. We're filled with ourselves, with our self-monuments. We're like the innkeeper who was too busy. Luke chapter 2 verse 7. As they came into Jerusalem, he was so busy. He says, and they laid him in a manger because there was no room for him at the inn. And my nephew says, your heart is the inn. Where is Jesus? You sent him to the outhouse. You sent him to the place where there is no provision. You sent him to the place where, where he's far from you so you don't feel the conscience of having to serve him with great glory. They sent him because there was no room for him at the end. I'm embarrassed for you when you stand before God and show him a lifetime of all your stupidity and foolish and vain pursuit and say, I didn't have time for you. I did not have time for you on Sunday. I didn't have time for you to become discipled. The Bible says in Luke chapter 12 verse 15, be careful. Take care of, un it says, Take heed and beware of greed, covetousness, desire for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things that you possess. What would a man give to receive everything God has for him? The Bible says he would sell all things to make room for the things that God has for him. This is what we have done in our lives as we have gotten to know Jesus more and more. We want to give him more and more territory in our lives. I want to flush my thoughts every morning to give more room to his thoughts. I don't want to question God one more second. I don't want to speak one more word that is not according to his plan. I don't want to take one more step that's not in the direction of his purpose. Because without me knowing, I'm headed straight for the pit of hell. I want to encourage you this morning that you press in 
to not the traditional historical Christmas, but that you would press into the reality of Christ that was born for all men. And one day we will all stand before him and give an account. Can we stand today and say, Lord, thank God we walked into this church this morning. Thank God we decided to seek the Lord. And I challenge you, my friend, there are people here that have already made that decision. They have decided they're not going to leave a building. They're not going to leave a piece of land. They're not going to leave a bank account. They're going to leave a son that will change the world. Amen. They will leave the character of daughters that will walk as princesses. Like Mary who says, let it be done according to your word. That's the model we need to give our generation. The young girls would say, I know I have a lot of dreams, like Juliana said. I have a lot of plans. But God's plan for my life is more glorious. It's more incredible. It's more world-changing. We're going to invite the worship team to come forward. They're anxious to get up here and worship our King and God and Creator. And my friend, don't believe the devil's lie that you were created for destruction. For a light has shone out of darkness. His name is the King of glory, Jesus Christ. His word is powerful to set you free. His truth will, will shine so powerful, all the lies you believe will just pass away in an instant. And you will be a blessing to the nations. You will be a blessing first to your family, to your friends. You will point them in the direction to the star of the Lord. To the, to the bright shining presence of his countenance. Because there, there is favor, there is great glory, there is great purpose. We're going to go pick up a pastor now from Cuba that's down the street, so i got to close this out. I'm going to let one of my pastors finish, Jose Palma, come up here and just finish this off. Amen? And you, get serious with God and quit talking about the Christmas story in reference to some traditional holiday. Come into the reality of the provision of God upon the earth. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.